So we begin to talk about the element meditations. There are four elements, which I mentioned in the first talk, earth, water, air, fire. There is much to this. This opportunity in this retreat will cover the basics, and you can get a, an idea to begin with, etc. But this is a, an in-depth practice and would typically take weeks of commitment, months or years. It may become a basis of uh, an ongoing practice throughout life. And it's, it's something which has a couple of benefits, primarily that one can escape the negative emotional processes of the mind. One can enhance the positive processes of the mind and especially the ability to stay focused, clear, sustained attention. And this attention, by the way, what we might call mindfulness, but also sustained attention, is important in all aspects of life. But this particular exercise is to serve a higher purpose. It's not simply to enhance your ability to, to pay attention so that you can function in society or do better at work or something like this. Those may indeed be side benefits, but this is serving a purpose, and that is the purpose of ultimately liberation through clarity and wisdom. Clarity and wisdom are the the purposes of this. And in the meantime, there are rewards for just arriving at the mind uncluttered by what are called the hindrances, the five hindrances, primary negative uh, emotional and psychic irritants. The first is greed, uh, any kind of longing and craving and desire. I must say, though, that it doesn't mean that you're demotivated in life, that you can't go to work or something like this. This is not what is meant. This means to be living in a state of lack. So if we can find you a way to overcome the state of lack, then uh, you will be, your life will be much improved. The quality of your life will be much improved. Hostility, anger, irritability, etc. is the second of these hindrances. And this is very painful and problematic in a person's interior. And if we can undo that and free you from that, then you will be, your emotional state will be greatly improved. Agitation, the inability to be at rest, to be at peace, to be at ease, is uh, also a great deficit in life. And if we can free you from that, you will be very, very pleased with the results. The opposite of that, of course, is the heaviness, sloth, languor, and so forth. Also, types of depression, heaviness. This can be relieved through this samadhi practice as well. And the last one is the doubtful mind, frivolous doubt or inability to resolve simple matters, the inability to, to decide whether you were going to get iceberg lettuce or leaf lettuce can be paralytic in life. So many impossible, tiny decisions. 
But if the mind is more solid and lucid and balanced, then these decisions are easily made. So doubt is overcome. This, these are the five hindrances in brief, and you can see further talks by me on the, the entire list of these five hindrances in detail. And this relates very importantly to these Kasina meditations and the element meditations. So the, this element meditation that we're about to undertake is a way of strengthening and giving more weight and solidity to the capacities of the mind. Sustained, long-term ability to focus with and accompanied by emotional joy and ease. So this is something to be devoutly desired. Now, what we're going to use as the first element is the earth element. Now, there are two ways of doing this. One is the raw earth itself. And you can simply apprehend this in a, on a field of soil, even in a garden of soil. However, the perception of soil, like this, it's actually soil that you want to perceive. The earth, of course, itself, the stones and uh, all kinds of aspects of the earth are, are solid and earth element. But you want the essence of this. And this is particularly brought out in large fields of, uh, of earth. One of the things we want to avoid is strong coloration of the earth. So if you're standing on a grassy field, the, the green of the grass and so forth is going to mix into your perceptions. And it's another type of meditation object, and we will get to that. Those are the color casinas. So when you are trying to pick up the sign of the earth element, you want basically soil or clay. Clay is a very nice color, very neutral gray color. Certain types of light soil are also good. If there are strong elements of red or any of those things in the soil, then it's not so good for your development of this idea of the earth. Now, this you think, think about this in terms of evolutionary development. Wherever the soil is rich, and abundant then all kinds of things that that grow and feed you are available all kinds of enhancements of your environment and well-being are there so humans would be naturally tuned in to rich and abundant soil possibilities if it's just sand or something like this then it has no capacity to sprout life so this is the nature of this particular object of meditation. So that's the, the kind of raw earth element. There are refined earth elements too, and this is perhaps how you're going to do it in your condo in downtown Manhattan or in Berlin or wherever you are, and maybe even in the suburbs where it's not easy to get access to open farmland, etc. So if you can get yourself a disc of clay, now you can do this yourself. Um, the way the commentaries describe this is that the monk makes this disc, this casina of earth himself. 
and he gets earth and extracts the pebbles and the grass, etc., from it. And then he smooths it out, mixes it with water, and puts it into a form. And this form is a little circle, maybe 10 inches in diameter. And this has preferably not much in the way of coloration to it. You can go to your local arts and crafts store or pottery store and get some raw clay, of course, which is very convenient. And just make something out of clay itself. Or you can just find perhaps some sort of finished product which is made from sort of a neutral gray clay. And it should be in a circular form. The circular form is that it's, it has no distraction in terms of its shape. So the shape of the, of the casina is minimalist and not distracting itself. You're not interested in the shape of this and you're not interested in the color of this. And this is why we're finding, trying to find a neutral color for this casina and a geometric shape that is not complex. So the simplest would be a circle. So you would either make this yourself or if somehow you can get a hold of a, a disc of clay and you're going to use that as a, as a visual aid. So this disc of clay that you will make, you're going to stare at this and you're going to attempt to visually absorb the, the essence of this. And you're going to be thinking to yourself at the same time about this solid earth element that we that is part of all of our lives. We are in the midst of earth. Earth, by the way, so a little bit of the depth of this idea of the four elements. Earth is what we would call in modern physics uh, extension in space. So we know what solids are in, in modern science, that which is solid and extends in space, has resistance. So that is what earth is. Water is that which uh, is cohesive and flows. Air is more or less vibration and fire is, the, is what we would call heat. So these are these elements, they're all, according to the Buddhist idea of elements, they're all always combined. They're just in different proportions. And you see this very acute observation in the 5th century BC of, of how things work that this element of earth or extension or solidity is present even in the air. And you will notice this if you are driving your car at 60 miles an hour, roll down the window and put your hand out and you will feel the earth element in the air. That is the solidity and resistance. So this is what causes, uh, as you go faster in a car, the air resistance increases. And most of the energy in a car is devoted to pushing the air aside. And they would call that the earth element, the solidity element. And you can see that in a hurricane, of course, the air can pick up an entire house and hurl it across the town. It can pick up large vehicles. So this is that there is this element in, uh, in the air element of course, if you're in a climate that has a lot of humidity in the air, you'll see the water element is mixed into the air element. If you're in the desert, 
There's very little of the water element in the air, but there's always some. The water element is also what we call cohesion, so it sticks things together so they don't fly apart. So that's how they regarded it at the time. And the earth element resists being compacted. So water, for instance, is almost impossible to compact. You can't put it in a vice and squeeze it. It resists that. So that is the earth element in water. Notice also what I'm sure they, that they noticed and, and uh, used for this observation is that water can produce the earth element when it becomes ice. So ice is virtually indistinguishable from... It's a solid. It's like rock. It resists. You can walk on it. Then as the heat element, the fire element, increases, then it becomes water. And if you increase it further, it starts to boil and becomes air element. It turns right, goes, flows into the air. The increase of heat and air turn it into steam and vapor. So these four elements are all actually combined in every aspect of material reality. This is according to the, uh, the Buddhist idea of materiality. So this is a little bit background information so you can contemplate this. These elements are, in their essence, are quite miraculous and cause us to react to them. We need to react to them because it's very important for our survival so that the core elements of these are, are critical to the way we get food in, in life, the way what we clothe ourselves in terms of the weather, the shelters that we build, how we navigate, how uh, the, the process of living near water and using water, where, of course, where are you going to build your, your house? Are you going to build it in a, a hurricane zone or a high wind zone? Are you going to get in out of the wind behind some strong earth objects? So this is critical to human survival. We must intimately know the environment. And of course, these four elements are within us as well. So the earth element is this element of solidity or extension. And when we look at this clay that we have, this clay object, and I might as, I think you could use cement as well for this. It's a nice kind of neutral gray quality. You should make a little boundary around the outside of this so you can distinguish the earth. So a little metal collar around things or some other, any even plastic collar which would limit the, the boundaries of this earth element so you can plainly see it. So you want to focus your mind on this object. So now it looks like a dinner plate. So if a dinner plate is flat or a frisbee, so this is about the size of a frisbee or a dinner plate. And uh, then you, you stare at it and try to sense this idea of essential earth element. This is the earth. It's made out of the earth. And it's solid and has extension. And you're to spend a good deal of time staring at this and contemplating this as if you were encountering this for the first time. Notice... Uh, Toddlers, babies, 
when they encounter solid objects, they're wide-eyed and fascinated by it. Sometimes they try to put it in their mouths or they just feel it, touch it, move it. We want to come back to a, a new appreciation, hyper-appreciation of this quality of the earth element. So this earth element, will you will find yourself a comfortable meditation posture and stare at this, and you might even use the word earth, earth, soil, any of those kind of words that mean something to you. And if you're in, in another language or your primary language is something other than English, use the word in your primary language because it has a lot of resonance, has a lot of meaning in your primary language. So this is in fact what the commentaries say, is to repeat the name of this element. And it would be, it's no point in repeating it in Pali because it's not essential to the language. It's something that means something to you, the earth, the earth. And then you are to internalize this. By the way, so some people will internalize this quite quickly. You are to be able to recall this without the sight of it. After a while, staring at it, after you close your eyes, a kind of an after image of this casino disc, this element disc, will remain. And it's not the, the color after image. So it's not, for instance, if somebody takes a snapshot of you, a flash camera goes off, you see the, a blue light afterwards. It's not that after image. It's the image that you pick up and are able to reproduce in your mind. Now, a lot of people are not very visual, so that's going to be difficult for them. So there's an after image, which you can recall. You can bring this to mind. And this is the long process for some people to be able to internalize this. And the demands on attention are ex extreme. So you're trying to, you're staring at a simple clay disc and it's not very interesting, but in itself it's not very attractive or interesting. However, you are going to create interest. You are going to focus your full attention on this disc. And suddenly you will be interested. And accompanying this interest is the emotion of joy. And also the body will relax and be at ease. This is the byproduct of attention itself. What makes things interesting in life is that you are interested in them. Normally, it, for most people, they require lots of colors and dancing clowns and uh, balloons in the air, and this makes them interested, and they delight in this. But it's not the, the clowns or the balloons in the air or the television show that is delightful at all. It is the fact that you are paying attention is what's delightful. So this is something to contemplate as well. To This is a little magic, an insider magic, is that what makes life interesting? It's not variety. It's interest itself. So to be interested is the source of joy of mind and ease of body. If you, are, if you have a short attention span and nothing catches your interest, you will know that you are depressed. You are not happy. Nothing catches your attention. Therefore, the world is meaningless to you. 
and you abide in sort of sloth and negative feelings. So this is the cure for such things as sloth and negative feelings. Interest. But how do you get interested? Well, one thing is to, to know that there is no other way out of this. The negative feelings that you have when you lose interest in the world are very unsatisfactory, very unpleasant. And one wishes for the positive emotions to return, but somehow can't do it. Once you understand what it is that causes these positive emotions, then you can just institute it. All you have to say is, I, I am not paying attention. I am not focusing and being interested. Therefore, I am experiencing the negative results of that attitude to the world. Notice that in children very early that everything is interesting to them. A piece of paper lying on the floor is fascinating. The carpet is fascinating. Grass is fascinating. A stone is fascinating. Everything is fascinating. So they're in a state of intense, rich experience. As we get older, we've seen these things, we understand what they are, and we lose interest, unfortunately. But in the adult life, sometimes we have special interests. And so when you delight perhaps in music or you delight in art or you delight in nature, you delight in another person, you, you delight in literature, the, the, the reason why you delight in it is that you're interested in it. It somehow has caught your interest. So it's not none of those things are the important part. It's the interest itself. It's your mind itself is the source of the magic. So we want to, what we're trying to do is more or less swallow the world. Yes, swallow the world. We are going to internalize the earth element. And we're going to make it available to us through our mind. And we're going to make it available at will. And if we internalize this and have it available to our mind... It's a solid, sustained object because it has become internalized. So first of all, you take the simplest possible earth element and neutralize the color. It's some sort of grayish color. And you limit the shape of it, make it a, a circle. And there are no distractions. And you sit down there and you stare at it until you can bring it to mind. And then you invest your full attention into this. Now, something is going to happen. Out of this visualized image is going to emerge a facsimile, a something that is reproduced by the mind itself. The essence of this object is going to be, and we would this is called the counter image. It is mind-made. It is, uh, there's also another word called nimitta. It is a mind-made perfect substitute for the external object, which has faults and flaws in it. And when your mind is fully attentive and fully engaged, it produces the essence of the object. And that's how you know that you are truly focused uh, even to make this talk here, before we, before I begin to talk, we 
have to adjust the cameras that are focusing on me. And we zoom back and forth and get a faded image or a, a muzzy image, and then we eventually get a perfectly clear image so that the focus of the lens is absolutely in the right position. By the way, there is no tension in the camera by doing this. You move the lens back and forth, and eventually it comes into vivid clarity, and then you know you have the right image. You've got the focus. This is just what the mind is going to do as well. When your mind is not focused, the image is uh, has flaws in it. It falls away. You drift. You change your tension. It comes in and out of your attention. So this is inadequate, and you must focus your inner camera on this object until it is vividly lucid, hyper-lit. So you've probably seen art like this that is not only real, but hyper-real. The colors of hyper-real art are beyond ordinary colors. Shapes are ultra-crisp, ultra-clear. So this is what the mind can do when it comes fully into complete absorption and attention. A mind-made object it appears. And the mind-made object is no other than your attention purified. So this is the sign of success. And it, this is what it's called, this, the sign. And you will know that when your, your inner experience, your imagination, your ability to focus is hyper, then it, it becomes much more vivid than you can find in reality, simply by looking through your eyes. Because now you're looking through the eyes of the mind at this. So this is becoming extremely vivid. And uh, at this point, a sense of time sort of drops away, as it does when you're absolutely enraptured. Now, this think about reading a book. Now, I hope all of you, some of you may never have been a reader or one who enjoys reading. You might have been raised with television and movies where you're absorbed in movies, but those who are readers of books will understand this. The movie is never as good as the book. How could that be? The book is just a bunch of squiggles on a page, isn't it? No, it's not. As you read this book, something happens. The first few sentences are something, you, you become interested, and then the vision, you start to enter a world. So when I describe these casinas and these elements, it is something like um, the vivid world which emerges from a book. The book is simply abstract knowledge, abstract signs on a page, but a world appears in your mind. Now, if you're a reader, you will be you will completely understand what I'm saying. Some of you are not so much on the literate side, and you will wonder what we are talking about. But those who are readers know that a vivid world appears and is more vivid than the reality. When we make it even into a very good Hollywood movie, it somehow never lives up to the world we created in our minds. So this is the magic of the mind. And when that happens with a, a book, you also lose track of time. 
you lose the sense of your body, but your emotion is enraptured. So your, your, your experience of a really good book is rapturous. You read it, you start at 11 o'clock at night, you have to go to work tomorrow, and so you're going to just... You're going to just read a half an hour. So, of course, then 2 o'clock in the morning and you're just at the most gripping point. So time has flown by. Three hours have gone by when you meant to read for only 30 minutes. This is the intensity of, of absorption. This is what is meant. The mind, in this case, is absorbed in a, a streaming story, something that is meaningful and interesting to you. What we're going to do with this casino is we're going to eliminate the story and we're going to eliminate the sequence of ideas and we're going to eliminate words themselves. We're going into another state of rapturous attention which does not require language. In fact, is meant for reducing the excessive inner activity, the inner, inner voice that uh, is plaguing us to some degree all the time. The inner voice is talking to us and won't shut up. That's unfortunate. The inner voice is actually very useful and important, but if it is out of control and says random things to you, then you need to reduce its activity because it's merely, it's like a, a person along with you that never stops talking. We don't need that. We need our silence. We need our peace. We need our clarity. And sometimes we need our words. And that's perfectly fine. But we, we use our words when we want our words and not when we don't want our words. So this casino-type meditation, this is pure samadhi meditation. And one of its functions is to reduce the excessive discursive or discourse in our minds. So this is the earth element meditation. Now... You can experiment with this yourself. Don't expect this to be 20 minutes and done. This is, this is a supernormal activity. If you manage to do this, it's not normal. It's supernormal, above normal. And you wouldn't sit down and expect to play the piano in 20 minutes. You know that people devote hours and hours every single day to these things. But think about what people do for hours and hours. They go out and play golf, which uh, I think Mark Twain said, golf is a good walk ruined. So ah, people spend hours, weeks, months, and lots of money in their lives pursuing these so-called hobbies. Why? I think if I described golf to a 5th century meditator, they would say, Man, I don't know what religion you are, but I, I, I wouldn't want to try that. That sounds too obscure to me. <laughs> People spending time in these hobbies, incredible amounts of time and energy and money. Why? Because they like it. They like it. It captures their interest. We are going to use something very simple, and it's all the, the primary cost is a lump of clay. But if you can do this, it's better than golf, which is not saying much. <laughs> it's better than, better than sports, better than movies. It's, a, it's, of course, not a large portion of the population is going to do this, but, uh, and not everybody is suitable for this. 
But if you can, it has great rewards. So it's, it would be a shame for this to be left in obscurity and not brought forth and available to people. This, uh, even in the monastic company, these casinas and element meditations are quite rarely talked about uh, and practiced. But at some point in Buddhist history, they were fairly mainstream in meditative practice. And I don't know how many people will take this up, but I know that if the information is not made available to people, then nobody will take it up. So instead of uh, poring over obscure commentarial texts, as I had to do, I am trying to make it a little less painful for you to access these uh, meditation subjects and objects. And I want to tell you, you know, the function of them, and it is to produce this samadhi. And it is, again, as I would remind you at the beginning of the talk, that it is to overcome your psychic irritants, the five hindrances. It is, that is one of its purposes, and that is a deliverance in itself. It is one of the most beautiful experiences that a human can have, is true emotional and psychic health, free from the harassments and irritabilities of, of these very common emotions, which are... Uh, harass the mind. So this is a worthy pursuit. I want to say again that you can't just sit down out of the blue and do this. This is preceded by a lot of preliminaries and for different temperaments. It's important that you understand that there is an entire path to this achievement. So this is the eighth factor of the Eightfold Path, this samadhi I'm talking about, and the use of these casinas and earth elements, uh, the, the earth element and the other elements, is the jumping-off platform for true enlightenment and wisdom. But it's the eighth factor, so there's seven before this. So don't expect to just sit down and jump to the eighth factor without having fulfilled some preliminaries. So this is important that you go and understand that in order to get this, it, to sit down, it could be just a frustration for you, and you may have to fulfill some preliminaries before you do this. It doesn't, it's not just a half an hour in a, of quiet in your living room that makes this happen. It's, it's the way you live your life. It's the way you view things. It's the way you, how, how you think and speak and act in your ordinary life has to be reshaped in order to get success in these, these endeavors. So this is information during this retreat. But if you're up to it, then you should give it a try with the actual casino and just see how it goes. By the way, so you can also go out and find some raw earth, which fulfills the description that I gave you of uh, not too colorful soil, that kind of thing, and just try to absorb the feeling of it and what it does to you emotionally and whether it grounds you. By the way, this, there's all kinds of phrases in the English language and most languages that are bearers of messages from previous times. To be grounded is to have both feet on the ground, both feet in the earth element to be solid instead of floating away. And so see if you can 
find it in either of this form, the raw form of just earth and the more refined form of the casina. And you'll have to go and um, manufacture this yourself and make these things yourself, but it's well worth it. Um, so give that a try at home. And during this retreat, you can focus on any one of the topics that I'm giving. And of course, far beyond the retreat and it will be recorded and available. So you can go over the instructions again and again in the future and repeat them. So the water element is the next element and it is simpler than the earth element. Water is very easy to access. It's everywhere. You can go with the raw experience, go down beside a lake or a river feel the power of this. If you have a, a waterfall, even in fountains in cities and so forth, you sit next to it and feel the experience. The refined version of this is a bowl of water. So you get yourself a bowl, and the bowl, fortunately, is easy to come by these days. And you fill it with water. And then you sit in front of it, and you... You say to yourself, water, water, whatever, in whatever language is most meaningful to you. And look at this perfectly still, lucid, clear water. And again, absorbing it through the eye, you see it. And you, you also have a feeling for water. Water has an, a, a sort of a tactile experience. Uh, it, it's experienced through many ways. So when you stare at it, you, you are interested in this miraculous element, this perfectly clear, and there's a certain solidity to water as well, a resistance in the water. All of these things are part of your experience in life, starting as a child. So children, of course, love to splash around, play in water. They are fascinated by water. And uh, this fascination is still embedded in you as a human. You must have water. It's a very critical element to your survival. So sit with this and then attempt to internalize this. So that's a very easy casina to make in its simplest form. So when you do this, by the way, you are going to have, if you succeed at this, and if, especially if you're preoccupied with this, for you, you might take this up for weeks at a time uh, or months at a time. Whichever element you choose to preoccupy yourself with is going to start to jump out at you in the environment. If you're focusing on water, water, uh, you're going to suddenly see water everywhere. You're going to encounter water everywhere. It's going to jump out at you. If you walk into a room and a, and a faucet is on, it's going to be like hyper, hyper real to you. The solidity of a floor as you walk across it, if you're doing the earth element or uh, the sight of a garden or any of this stuff is going to jump out at you. So all of these be uh, forewarned, not to be alarmed. If you're doing color meditations and you're focusing on the color blue, blue is going to jump out at you everywhere. If, if there's a pen on the table in a large room and, it, and that pen happens to be blue, it's going to be the object in the room is going to bring itself to your attention. 
If red is the case and there's a red pen on the table, it's going to jump out at you. Do not be alarmed. This is important. Uh, that when you do these concentration exercises, these samadhi exercises, it is uh, your mind is being used in a very special and unusual way. And you need to be forewarned that there are sometimes uh, unusual side effects to this. And you may be concerned for your mental health, and et cetera, if you do not, are for not forewarned that whatever, when you continuously pay attention to something, that it jumps out at you. Uh, this happens, for instance, in medical school. Whether you're doing nursing or becoming a doctor, you are focusing on these diseases. And it's very common for doctors and nurses to suddenly start seeing this disease everywhere and including suspecting that they have it. <laughs> when you have detailed descriptions of what happens to your liver and so forth, you think every time you get a little twinge in your side, you think, I've got it. I, I have lupus. I, have <laughs> I, I, I must have some vitamin lack or something like this. You, you, whatever you focus on all the time. Now, this happens also if you're focusing on violence, then you begin to be paranoid and suspect that violence, you know, if you walk in a certain area of the city that somebody's going to attack you and you see potential um, attacks everywhere. This is, you see this in spy movies where Everybody becomes a suspect. You, you don't know who is watching you. This is, of course, a, a characteristic of modernity with computers, like who's watching your activity on your computer. You hear about this now. Who, who's, who's observing you while you're observing the world? So that it's just a natural part of the mind. So don't be concerned if you do devote yourself to this for a period of time that these elements jump out at you and you, you you start to see them everywhere. So it's just a little preliminary cooling element to you. So I will leave this for today and we will continue our element talk in the next section. And that is for air and fire.